for complete IT asset management, classroom instruction, and safeguarding solution from Net Support. Hi, this is Dana. You are listening to the one and only Net Support Radio. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. Hello and welcome to Net Support Radio with me, the guest host today, Henry Platten from eCadets. I am honoured to be joined today in the studio uh, by Al Kingsley from Net Support. Good morning, Al. Good morning, Henry. By Mark Anderson, ICT evangelist. Morning, Henry. Hi. And by Team Anderson, by Oscar and Dougie Anderson. Hi, boys. Hi. So today we're going to be chatting about digital citizenship. We're going to be talking about all aspects from it, uh, from an industry perspective, from parenting and from a pedagogy. But before we start, I'd actually like to talk to some digital citizens themselves. So Oscar, Dougie, uh, I've got some questions for you if that's okay. So uh, Oscar, let's go for you first of all. What kind of devices do you use? Well, I use an iPad and sometimes my dad's phone. Okay, does your dad know that you use his phone? Yes. Okay, that's excellent. And Dougie, how about you? Um, I use my iPad so I can play games and call my friends and call some of my family. Awesome. So you, you so that the, about how you actually use the, the device there. So what kind of games do you play? I play Pokemon Go and some piano tile too. Awesome. Oscar, how about you? What kind of games do you play? I play Pokemon Go as well and I also play Ninjago Ronin Shadow. Ronin Shadow. Awesome. So obviously you both play Pokemon Go. So while you're playing Pokemon Go, does that help you? Does that teach you anything about not just playing Pokemon and catching uh, catching them all, uh, if I've got the phrase right, um, but what does it teach you about the actual uh, device itself? What do you think it, it helps you with? It helps us, well, learn what to use, so it if it like malfunctions, you have to restart the app, so you have to double press the home button, so... It helps us learn what to do when things go wrong. Awesome. That's brilliant. So it helps you with problem solving. What about where you actually go when you're using Pokemon Go? Does it ever give you any tips about where you can and can't go? Well, it tips us not to um, go over 20 miles per hour. So if you want to be sneaky, go in the car, but go slowly to catch Pokemon, but never go over 20. Now that's some creative thinking that's, on there, isn't that it? Is, that is awesome. So, so in other words, uh, if you're going to catch Pokemon Go in a car, make sure you're doing about 10 miles an hour. Okay, excellent. Uh, what about, you know, it, it says things about trespassing as well, doesn't it? So what do you think that's teaching you when it says don't trespass? It means don't... Like, if you want to catch an interesting Pokemon, don't go somewhere you're not supposed to. So, take a park example. Don't drive with your car into the park. (laughs) Yeah, that's very good advice, not driving through a park. That's excellent. Unless there's a road, and and it lets you drive through. And then if you are, drive at 10 miles an hour, uh, or whatever the speed limit is. That's excellent. So, what about your friends? What type of devices do they use? Um, 
they use their mobile phones to phone or they ask their mums or dads if they can use their iPads or other devices, other devices like phones. Awesome. Do you and your friends at, at school or outside of school ever chat about the games that you play or chat about the devices that you use, Dougie? No, we don't. So you don't, you, don't, you don't talk about what type of games that you play together? No. No? Okay. How about you, Oscar? Um, well, some of my friends do and some of my friends don't. Okay. So what type of games do your friends play? Uh, a lot of them play Minecraft and Fortnite. A lot of games with um, guns and stuff like that. Okay. How does that make you feel? Um, a little bit strange because... Well, I don't do that because I know it's wrong, but um, it just feels a little bit strange. Okay. And so you mentioned Minecraft. So uh, do you play Minecraft as well? Yes. Awesome. And why do you like Minecraft? Because, well, it doesn't have to be physical at all. It could just be you collecting items if it's survival and then building stuff. Or it could be um, just normal Minecraft and you could just build stuff. Awesome. So when you're using the devices and the, and the games, either you or your friends, what kind, of, what kind of advice, what kind of tips would you give to children the same age as you about how they can use them safely? Um, I'll give you a clue. You've already mentioned one, and, and Dougie, you mentioned it, the fact that you always check with Dad first. So if you're going to use something, you always ask Dad if that's okay. Yes, that is a very good one. Excellent. And what else? What about talking with strangers? Well, if something comes up that you don't like, always tell a grown-up first before you do anything. And if someone wants to meet up with you or something like that, always ask the grown-up first before you meet up. That's awesome. Boys, thank you so much indeed. Mark, it's clear that, that the boys have got a great understanding about digital citizenship and, and online safety, even if they're not aware of the phrases themselves. Mm. So actually, it's, it's living it, which obviously yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is so much more important. Um, as a parent, obviously, you know, we know about your background in, in pedagogy and, and the influence that you have, which is fantastic. But I'd like to ask you, first of all, as a dad, what challenges have you found about actually raising digital citizens? Um, they're, they're both still really quite young, and they're seven and nine. And, and um, for someone who uses technology so much in what I do in my day-to-day work, and, and, and championing it uh, within education, actually uh, during their own free time. Um, we, we try and do things which are actually active. I mean, they don't, they don't spend all their time sort of inside and, and all that sort of thing, which is why we play Pokemon Go so much. Because mm. um, so, it takes us out and about. We can visit different cities. We can collect them in different places. Uh, and we're out and about, and we're really, really active. So, for example, we're here at uh, Net Support HQ uh, near Peterborough. Uh, so yesterday evening, uh, what we did, we went out around, around the town and uh, went around and, and sort of visited different places, using the game as the vehicle uh, to support us doing that. Um, <clears throat> When it comes to um, other things that are talking about as well, we, we, me and, and, um, and their mum try to make it so that the activities they do online are positive. 
Mm. You know, so um, uh, for example, Dougie's helped me a number of times in creating short screencasts. It's a transfer them to practice their oracy. Uh, they do some writing skills beforehand. Um, Oscar's designed T-shirts online, and we'd had them printed uh, with characters from Lego games that he likes to play. All those sorts of things. Uh, the social aspect of using um, uh, technology uh, and all of that is something which is, is, is relatively alien to them at the moment because at, at such a young age, uh, I want them to give to experience some really really great experiences with using technology and, and let them move into that sort of field and, and, and that um, as and when it's appropriate for them in that age. I mean, there are times when I share some of the things that they do online. Um, so, you know, Oscar did a drawing uh, a little while ago using a great um, free app for iOS called Paper 53. Um, he did this design of um, the Flash logo and I put it online on my Twitter account and uh, you know, to this day he still says, so how many people have seen that now and that? How many mm, people have seen mm, that? Mm. And so they, they love the fact that they can share things and it's seen by people and they love to know that people are looking at it and are influenced and, and, and uh, are interested in it um, but it's not something they do themselves yet at, at this sort of tender age. So how do you feel that that balances in terms of perhaps a uh, standard classroom approach to tech? So not necessarily the boys schools but you know from, from your experience how's that crossing over from parent life to, to classroom life? Uh, well it's, 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 it's really interesting you know um, it wasn't until I became a parent, as a, as a teacher myself, you know, I, 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 I thought parenting would be relatively easy. But as, as uh, you and, and I will, will know from our, uh, our evening meal last night, parenting is a completely different kettle of fish to, to, to being a teacher. And so, um, but there are lots and lots of, um, sort of uh, parity and similarities between those two, two roles as well. And certainly as a teacher in, in classroom, you are in, in, in what's called loco parentis. You're there in place of parents. And so... Um, as a teacher, with your teacher hat on, uh, the same sort of things that you would do to safeguard children um, as a parent, you do similar things uh, as, as a teacher. And so if you are sharing children's work online, um, if and again, as I, as I gave with that example with Oscar's um, flash um, painting and, and what have you, for example, um, you know, they're, they're massively incentivized. It's really um, gives children a great sense of authenticity and agency when you get to share things online. We see, um, you know, we've seen before the um, power of um, blogging, for example, from the likes of um, David Mitchell, Deputy Mitchell, you know, and the, and the impact that can have on improving boys' writing. But um, it, it's just a case of making sure, really, uh, just like you would as a parent, that you do these things in safe ways so the children can still do it, but in ways which mitigate and, and, and um, sort of keep um, their identities a bit more anonymous and, and can just help them keep themselves a bit more safe online so that they um, get the experience without any sort of the risk and the danger, you know? Would you say that there's a, a, a challenge potentially for schools and for teachers where you know, they may have one, uh, one cultural approach as a school that they will do towards technology, but then because you're dealing with so many different individual children and therefore individual parents, that they may have different approaches at home and that, that could present maybe a, a, at times a conflict or a challenge between the two? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and, and technology companies are getting better and better at this sort of thing. I'm, I'm really excited, for example, to see the uh, release of iOS 12. Uh, iOS 12 is going to have some fantastic new parental controls built into it as standard. Um, say iOS already has some pretty good parental controls, but this one is, is really good. You can see how much usage they're getting on different apps. So you better see, for example, you know, they're spending three hours a day on YouTube or whatever. And so if YouTube, for example, is, an, is a problem or is an issue, they're spending too much time on it, you can time limit each of the different 
apps. You can make them sort of time bonded, so you know that um, the children will know that yes, they're allowed to use their device between six and eight. Uh, within that six and eight slot, they're only allowed thirty minutes of YouTube, and that sort of thing is really really helpful when you're having those. And this is something that I try with my own children, and the same with children in class myself. You know. Children react really, really, really well to clear boundaries. And when they know what their actual boundaries are, that helps them then to self-manage. And being able to think carefully as well about the amount of time they're allowed to do things actually gives them some idea. Because it's so, you know, yourself. You, know, you can you can lose YouTube and, it, it's, it's like, and Pinterest and others. They're a real rabbit hole. You know, you can spend, oh my, where are those four hours gone? Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. Mm -hmm. And so having that sort of clear um, and open kind of um, thought process going on where you're thinking about your usage rather than just letting it happen to you um, is, is a really, really positive thing. Um, and uh, different schools have different approaches. You know, we, we've read a lot in the news recently about France with phones being banned in all schools. Um, and, and yet the subcontext there is unless it's for a pedagogical basis. So the headline in, in all the newspapers is, you know, France bans phones everywhere, they're evil, all this sort of thing. But actually, what we're seeing more and more and more increasingly so in schools is those schools thinking carefully about, well, it can be used for a positive purpose. Um, as for parents, you know, um, Different families have different approaches and do different things in different ways. And um, what I try and uh, sort of champion with schools, uh, not only about having strong digital citizenship uh, with children, um, but also that sort of positive role modelling uh, and that sort of thing with with teachers as well. And I, and I ask school communities to engage with the parents in helping them as well, because parents, best will in the world, don't know everything themselves either. They need education. They need uh, support in in these sorts of areas. And just like many teachers didn't get much training in the use of technology when they were at university, either in their, their specialist degree degree or in their even in their postgrad qualifications to become teachers um, parents don't have that sort of, sort of background as well and so it's really helpful uh, to to have things like this to listen to for example this this, this podcast and this radio show um, and, and others to help move you forward to a place where you can actually make some informed decisions and it's really great to see the likes of say apple and microsoft and, and, and um, google uh, taking more responsibility for their approaches to using technology with young people Excellent. Thank you very much. I, I think, just as you're saying, there is a challenge for parents nowadays. Um, and certainly, you know, there are certain sources like Internet Matters, which I think have some great starting points there for parents who perhaps might not be technically au fait or know all of the features that can actually help them create some debates uh, at home. But I'm really excited as well about what's going to happen with, uh, with iOS 12. Al, I'd just like to bring you in, if that's okay, because there's some points there that Mark was mentioning that, that really were, were resonating with me about net support. And you're talking about you know, the visibility and control for parents now through iOS for the, the need for that kind of support and structure. How does net support help schools address this balance and provide kids with a safe environment when they're actually in school? Um, well, it's, a, it's an interesting one, obviously, really, really interesting listening to, to Mark talking about it from a, you know, that, that parental awareness and the tools that are available. Um, and that support, I guess, we, we cross that boundary into, into the school domain. Um, and, in, and in most schools, we, we know that kind of the primary role for keeping kids safe is eyes and ears and seeing what they're doing. Um, typically, in, in a primary setting, um, our tools allow organisations, as well as the kind of structural management of all their equipment, to be the eyes and ears, to see what children are doing. And even within a, a local classroom setting, a teacher being able to see what 
children are doing on their desktops, their laptops, their iPads or whatever it may be. And also set those boundaries that Mark talked about in a more physical sense. These are the only websites that you can go to for this duration. These are the applications you can use. And also thinking about the context of time and place, certain applications being available at different times of day within the school setting. When you move forward to the secondary setting, obviously when we think about things like keeping children safe in education, there are obligations on the school, whether it's about filtering age-appropriate websites for children, prevent duty, and making sure that we provide a safe, secure environment. And so it works two ways. The one is the proactive way, continuing the, the pseudo-parental role of watching what children are doing and being able to provide intelligence, often linked to things like keyword matching and filtering, so we can see children that are searching or researching um, topics that might place them at risk. It might be about self-harm, it might be about body image, it might be about radicalization, whether it's far right or whatever it might be. Um, so there's one part which is that. The second part is about giving um, the designated safeguarding leads and leadership in schools intelligence that allows them to act, whether it's to an individual or to the broader setting of, of a school assembly. And then the flip of that, which ties much more into the, the, the digital citizenship thread really, is providing a, a tool and a platform for young people to report their concerns, as well as access appropriate information where others can provide support. And so we kind of move down that journey, which is if every young person at a very early age, both within a school setting and a home setting, were educated fully as digital citizens, by perhaps taking part as an e-cadet, for example, then of course the, the demand on tools within a secondary setting perhaps to actually monitor and pick up those issues would hopefully diminish. But it's it's not a one, one solution fits all. So net support provides that proactive way of, of monitoring and giving school intelligence and safeguarding, controlling where young people go, picking up if they're being bullied online so that children can be protected, um, and also with a changing landscape, um, also supporting our EAL students, making sure that it's not language specific and we can provide that consistent level of awareness. And I think then there's that broader sense, which is, you know, you ask what, where net support fits, you know, as an organisation, you know, we need to be digital citizens. We need to recognise and respect other people and what we post online. Um, there's a long strand just about respect and caring for other people within our organisation. And sometimes the digital citizen, apply, you know, people read that as being solely online, but actually it's about a choice about how you choose to interact with people and others in the broader setting. And I think that's really critical to, to the ethos of net support. And so we kind of try and dovetail those two bits together. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Well, thank you all indeed for your time today. Uh, it's been brilliant having you here on uh, the NetSupport radio podcast. Um, I'd like to, to hand the, the final word over to Oscar and Dougie. Uh, so, Oscar, is there any top tips that you would like to share out there with anyone who's listening uh, about how to use devices in a safe way? Well, there is lots of ways you can use devices, but the safest way is to always check with the grown-up first. So, just keep safe, have fun, and check a grown-up every time. Awesome. Thank you very much indeed, everyone. Cheers. Thanks, Henry. Thank you, Henry. Check out the complete IT asset management, classroom instruction and safeguarding solution from NetSupport.